You're listening to the Freelancer Codex, a podcast brought to you by the Shut Up and Respawn Network. Thanks, Mike, for that ultra combo, and welcome everyone to episode 145 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. I am your host, Steve, along with my co-host, Mike. We, today, we, today, it is October 22nd. I'm already thrown off, but we're going to get this thing back on track. It's October 22nd. There are 19 days until the Xbox Series X is launched, until Michael receives his Xbox Series S in the mail. That if means Target doesn't screw up my order. I really hope that they don't, Mike. I hope that you get your Series S, that you get to test it, and we get to... Also, right, so here's how it works out, right? Okay. So, so pre-orders, and like, and like pre-orders are a double-edged sword, because... You pre-order it, but they don't charge you right away. Because you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. They don't charge me until it ships. But then there's this weird old kind of caveat thing where, well, that money's got to stay in the bank then, right? Because if, if at any point your account drops below at that minimum of, of what that is, then your bank drops the uh, the pre-order. And you have to go in and re-up your pre-order in, in an allotted time, right? So you're almost like, you know what, I'd rather you just charge it now so that so that I don't have to worry about, you know, account drops below this, then it's going to fall off, and then I have to go in and re-up it. And it's funny because the way that we had to do it is is I had to use my wife's debit card and then my debit card, and it's just switching back and forth, right? Because every time it drops out, you have to put a new payment in because you can't just re-up the same payment. You have to put a new payment in. You don't you don't do the the same trick. You do the next trick, right? Can't use the same payment. So, you use the next payment. Yeah, so you have to keep doing that, and it's kind of frustrating. And and again, the pre order is nineteen days away, so it won't get charged for nineteen days. And and it's and it's kind of frustrating. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. We we so far we've had to do it twice, and it's worked out, right? Just because just because it's worked out twice. And you and but you pre ordered from rather, Target, right? I did pre-order from Target. So these are like Target policies, right? I'm not sure, you know, what other policies exist elsewhere where I'm just dealing with Target policies. And, and it's a little bit frustrating because you're like, just, just charge it now. I'm okay. The money's there. I'm okay with you charging it now. You know, whatever is happening now is happening now. I wonder if you, know? you were to like, if you were to take your pre-order into the store to customer service and say like, Hey, I would like to pay for this now. If they would do that in the store, I, I'm not sure because right, it's frustrating. No, I don't think that's a thing. Well, it's frustrating because you know, in a day and age where we have all these reoccurring payments, it's really easy for us to forget about a stupid Norton antivirus yearly payment that happens like at the worst time of the year that comes in and mm-hmm. takes all the money out of your account when you weren't expecting it, right? So yeah. I, it would especially be, when it's earmarked for something else, and so yeah, I mean. You know. Maybe you just have to have like this separate bank account specifically like, hey, this is where all my pre-order bank. Well, then you'd have to get a card and that's stupid. So first world problems, I guess, because, you know, congratulations to you for securing the Xbox Series S pre-order. That's pretty awesome. There's a lot of people that have been struggling to get that and a lot of people who had them and have had them canceled. So, but yeah, 21 days and we'll find out, Mike, what that thing is worth. I I thought about getting one, but I'm like, well, I really, I still don't need one because I've told myself, like, I don't need to upgrade to a PlayStation 5. 
because all the games coming out on PlayStation 5 will be coming to this PlayStation to the PlayStation 4 for the most part. I don't need to get a Series X. I don't need to get a Series S because my computer is more than capable of running all those games. I already have Game Pass, so everything that they're going to release on Series S or Series X, I can play on my PC. So I was like, no, I still don't need to get it. I can wait. Maybe I'll wait till like when the half measure consoles come out when they upgrade to like the xbox series x slim or the x or the playstation 5 slim whatever that's going to be so maybe i'll just have to wait i'll do one of those things where i get a new iphone every like two years instead of upgrading every year so maybe i'll just be on that um that cycle of console upgrades i guess if that makes any sense it does make sense in your own head but i'm gonna i'm gonna laugh when it you know finally gets you and you're like nope i'm just gonna do it so well, well, I I'll don't, be waiting. I I don't I'll need to. I'll be waiting. Phaedrin I mean, nobody I'm, needs to. Does anybody need to? No, it's you're true. Just no gonna, one. You're just gonna do it. Yeah, no one needs to. That that's for sure. So Phaedrin says he agrees with my logic on the consoles, but not with owning an iPhone. Um, so the year 2021 will be here in 71 days. That's pretty exciting. Stormlight Four comes out in 23 days. Cyberpunk will release in 28 days, and Godfall will be out in 21 days. And we'll talk a little bit more about Godfall later on in the show. We had some information drop today, actually, on Godfall and on loot and on progression, and something that I think all looter looter genre game developers should consider when talking about their game and how they want to market their game. So some interesting chats towards the end of the show. All right, if you would like to leave a message, you can do that at freelancercodex at gmail.com. You can also do that on anchor.fm where we host the podcast, where the RSS feed comes from. You can actually drop a message there and we can play it on the show. It's a pretty cool system if someone wants to do that, if you want to be on the show. We're going to try and do a lot more community um driven involvement yeah involvement that's the word we're going to try to set up a way to where we can take more calls on the show something that i've always wanted to do but we never have done so mike and i are going to try and figure out a way to do that maybe do some like giveaways on the show have people call in for some of the dumb games that we really enjoy doing i think that's something that we're going to try to do in the future i think if you know i i come up with a lot of the dumb games that we play on this show but if listeners wanted to write in i know um Phaedron has written in and says, hey, I have an idea for a game that we're going to try to implement. Um, if listeners have ideas for things like that or even just questions, comments, things that they want us to talk about, you know, just drop us a line either on Twitter, freelancercodex at gmail.com or even over on Discord. We have a Discord community and we'll drop the link to the Discord in the show notes. Um, we would like to thank our patrons. That's something that's always very important to me, that there are people that have been supporting us for a really long time on this show. Uh, Mike and I were talking that it's been 145 episodes, and that's a lot. That's a lot of episodes for a podcast to keep going. A lot of podcasts pod fade uh, much, much earlier than 145 episodes. So I'm excited to keep this thing going. So we would like to thank Julius, Nathan B., Michael R., Trent B., Men and Steel, Scout69, Dragonheart76, Jeffrey H., The Gameplay Experience, and RZ. Thank you for your continued support of the Freelancer Codex podcast. We really appreciate it. Mike, how much do you appreciate it? On a scale of one to four, how much do you appreciate their support? So it's pretty cool that, that there are people who are like, yeah, listen to these two guys. These, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's, um, head scratching. Cause I'm like, again, kind of, kind of a, our patrons know this, just kind of the discussion we had beforehand. 
Like, like people don't, I don't think the average person kind of knows what they're good at until someone like tells them. And, and even then they're like, they're like, no, that, I mean, that's just something that I do. That's not, that's not anything. Right. So, so to have people show up and, and listen and comment, but, but not only that, but listen to the point where they're like, yeah, here's some actual support to help, to help your back end and to help you, help you go through the show and stuff. I mean, it's, it's super cool. I don't, I don't think I have the words. I don't think I have the words to be like, to express kind of just like, this is really cool. It's really cool to, to be allowed into people's lives for, for the hour and a half that we do weekly, you know? And so it's super cool. It's super humbling. And, and I appreciate it a ton. It's it's really cool. It also makes you a professional podcaster, whether you like it or not, because you are receiving um, monetary gain from it. So congratulations, Mike. You're a professional podcaster. When you're a professional pirate. So you, you don't keep have going. to wear a suit. I was going to say, you can hey, keep going. Ho, ho. All right. One for all for one. Phaedron says yes in the chat. He's excited that you're going with this. All right, Mike. Um, so what have you been up to, man? Like we have, we kind of had an interesting weekend. You want to kind of go over like what we did this weekend? After sure. The, after um, the news that um, our podcast would be changing. Um, so I don't know. If, I don't know if too many people know this. Um, I don't. I mean, because we've never talked about it, so maybe they don't know it. Um, but after after Devin. Um, made his announcement. Um, Steve and I kind of had mental breakdowns and we retired to the woods for three days because that sometimes you just have to go to the woods. <laughs> you retire to the woods like you do. Yeah, you, just like you do. We disconnected from everything. We found a spot that has no service. Um, we took our, we took our boys with us. Um, I, I took one of my boys with me. You took one of your boys. You took one of your boys, the oldest. So we actually, we went on a hunting trip. Um, we grew up, Steve and I, we grew up in a hunting family, but then because of life and, and what it does and where we moved and families moving away from each other, we kind of got out of that. And we sporadically went hunting at certain times with dad. Um, so dad and his brothers, um, big hunters growing up. So we would always go hunting with the uncles and it was fun. You know, and at, and at that time we were, we were 10, 11, so we didn't get to do much, right? We, we stayed in the tent. We walked behind. We played with rocks. You know, we were too loud. No matter what we did, we were always too loud. Yep. Right. So, um, so it's something that I've, it's something that I've been wanting to get back into just cause I like being outside. I like being outdoors. Um, it kind of fulfills some primal urges for, for me that, you know, that, that, that you kind of have to do and get out of your system. Plus it's also, it's also a very, um, um, what's the word? It's, it's sustainable and it's, it's a form of conservation. It's, you know, it's, it's really getting back and kind of, and kind of breaking away from the mass produced, whatever stuff that we have. And it's really kind of working for your own gain. And it's, and it's, you know, by the sweat of your brow kind of thing. And turns so out, a- and also, you can get a lot of meat out of one elk to feed a bunch of families during the time of a pandemic. You sure can. You sure can. So we went out. We went out um, hunting. I got I got an elk tag for the first time in quite a long time, actually. Um, so this will be, it really was my first hunt as as an adult in my adult life. 
So we grabbed everybody that wanted to go and, and we went down to the woods and we camped and we scouted and we looked and we stalked and we found and we tracked and we climbed um, and we got angry and we got, we got chased off some places that we shouldn't have been. And we, you know, and so it was, it was super fun. Um, the area that we went to um, had very few acres of public land to hunt. Um, 16% of the entire hunting unit was public. And, and the way that you access these public places um, was you had to climb into um, off of a mountain. You had to helicopter into because it was all private landlocked, which was super frustrating and and um as someone who maybe doesn't understand the system enough really really aggravating that that for this thousand feet i'm not able to use a road respectfully and what a road is meant for to get to some public land um which which really bugs me because because how can you stop me from accessing public land but anyway how much sleep have you lost over this um, I don't want to tell you. So, so what we ended up having to do was we ended up having to camp in National Forest, which was fine and awesome and beautiful. But the land that we were trying to access was off of the plateau of the public forest. So there's, so the public forest is up here and then 200 feet down is the public land that we can 200 hunt. 200 feet? Hunt like up. maybe 400 yep, feet. It was, you think it was? You think it was four? I'll have to. I'll have to check the map again. Um, Two hundred feet is a lot, right? Um, Four hundred feet is a lot. One hundred feet is like how many yards is a hundred feet? Like a hundred feet is is three. See, a hundred feet is um, thirty thirty yards. Thirty three yards. Ninety nine. Yep, yeah, three feet per yard. Yeah. So so anyway, so we're camping up here. The land we can hunt down here is down here. And then this is is the the face that we get to climb. It's not like a gentle kind of come down here. I mean, it's pretty. It's anyway. So I took I took my sixty five year old dad down that cliff face. I took my my twelve year old son and my eleven year old nephew, and we climbed down that thing because we're trying to be responsible and and stay off of private land, which. Anyway, so we climb down there and we find a herd of elk and we find a bull and we start stalking and chasing and 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 we were we were on a good stock and we could never get a get a clear shot and we could never get in range, but we worked worked really hard. And then I took my 11-year-old nephew and my 12-year-old son and my 65-year-old dad back up that mountain face. Um that's one and, of those times was, where I thought my dad would probably I'd never see him again. It's like, all right, we're leaving him down here. We can't get him out. He's staying yeah, here. Yeah, it was well, and it was pretty scary because because I with little exaggeration, we didn't have much real estate to to really get up. I mean, it was it was pretty vertical the whole way up. And and we had to place our feet very carefully and and one slip and 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 really one slip and we would be down and it would be a tragic going down it would not be a fun rolling down a mountain cuz you could roll down a mountain and it could be fun but but not this one no, cuz this one this was one. not soft it was rocky 
So it, they were, these are gross they were cliffs. Yeah, they're gross New Mexico terrain. Anger in the chat says love elk hunting during muzzleloader season, and I think this is also like one of the yeah. first times where like it's elk season and there was no snow on the ground, which was really really yeah. weird and probably led to um, us not seeing much. But yeah, I, yeah. Luckily, the twelve year old and eleven year old, if they fell, they would probably just roll a little bit and they'd be fine. They could like take so many hits and they'd be like, "Hey, I'm fine. That was pretty fun." Yeah. But the sixty five year old man, that was pretty rough. Um, to try and get him up and out of there. I really, well, there, I guess there's a lot of story here, but we don't have to tell it all. Yeah, and so, so it was. Am I am I getting long winded? No, because I was gonna like tell my. I was gonna tell my side of it, and my side of it just makes it like twice as long. So I just want to hear your side of it. So you keep going, and um, then I'll so just annotate up, my stuff. We started going up, and and I actually got to the point where I had a bit of a panic attack. I'm um, just thinking about all the people I was responsible for going up and kind of, and kind of, oh my goodness, like, what are we, what are we doing? Um, because from where we were on the side of the mountain, we could see a county road pretty much coming straight to the parcel of land that we were on. Yeah. Um, and it was county road up until the last thousand feet. Not thousand yards, but thousand feet, right? And and because of that, we were unable to get a vehicle back there. And and again, you I mean private land? I get it. Whatever, whatever, right? I get it. But but to deny someone like a safe access to a place, it just just seems um, um, wrong to me. Um, if I were the landowner, maybe I would feel different, but, but it just, it just seems like, I mean, we can do better, right? Um, six, six million dollar man, like we can do better. We can build him better. You I, know? Uh, so I, uh, so afterwards, after we got back, I was laughing because Logan like signed up for the hunter safety course. Cause he wants to hunt next year along with his cousins. And like the number one thing on the hunter safety course is do not go on, on private land, call your landowners before time. Do not nice. show up in camo. Do not show up with multiple people. They might get intimidated by you. Call your call your private lands, and it just made me laugh. That's funny. It's like we should have well, hunter safety. Um, well, it's interesting because New Mexico used to not be a draw state. Right. There used to be public hunts, and there used to be more public land. Um, and because of where we live, because of the type of animals that our area can can produce. It's become a big, a it's become a, a um, an industry, a money making endeavor for all these landowners. And again, which I get, right? I I get that that this pays your bills and keeps your family fed. Um, you know, to 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 sell these landowner tags. Um, and and again, right? The the person doing it never thinks that they're never thinks that what they're doing is so wrong that that it. That it warrants not being able to use a county road, you know, but, but that's kind of, pardon me, that's kind of what happened. And so anyway, long story short, because Steve doesn't like my storytelling abilities, but long story short, we had a blast. It was fun. We had a chance. Um, we could not capitalize on our chance, but, but we saw, we saw the most amazing sunsets that you could ever see and are, and are equaled no other place in the world. And and one of my most favorite things to do is to is to get outside and look at the stars without um, light pollution, 
And to be able to look up and just see stars upon stars upon stars. Um, one of the cool things was I got to share one of those experiences with, with my 10 year old who got, who actually geeked out pretty hard about the amount of stars and being able to see the stars and, and, you know, something that, that living in the city, we don't get to do. Um, we can see the bright ones, but, but when those, those ambient lights are off and there's no other light source around, you, you can seriously just look up for years and just see, you know, see into the past, right? Because that's what we're looking at. Cause that light, cause that light is traveling to get to us. And then, you know, you, you kind of frame and kind of see where you fit in kind of the cosmos and it's humbling and it's super cool. And, and it was a fun time, you know, experience that I, that I'm super, super glad I had really disappointed. We didn't end up getting anything, but, but excited for, for the next time when the boys can, can go on their own hunts. So yeah, super fun. I think it was something that, you know, being where we were, like I, I, I know that I am on my device checking socials, checking discord a lot just because of like the various content creation channels that we have, like the freelancer codex, trying to be in the discord, trying to be active in there, talking to people that listen to the show, trying to like do the Godfall stuff as that channel continues to grow, like answering comments. Like I'm, I'm on it a lot, but like being forced to be off of it for four days was actually really, really nice to just kind of be able to say, I can't do this right now. So I don't, I'm not even going to worry about it because there's no point in like trying to find service in this area. So it was really nice to have that to disconnect for four days and just like hang out with my nephews, um, hang out with my oldest son and, you know, just have a lot of fun. We got to shoot a lot of 22s, like, you know, teaching our kids like how to be responsible and safe with a gun teaching them the ins and outs of like you know this is you know trigger finger discipline all that kind of stuff that i think is super important that kids learn um and it was just it was just fun like listening to them because like man our kids just talk they like never shut up and they and they just kind of tell you what they're thinking and you know ask a billion questions and you try to answer them the best that you can and it's just it's a lot of fun just to hang out with them um, in that in that in that in that environment where it's just you, it's nature, and you get to have fun. And you know what? They're super excited about going again next year. Like we didn't even we we hardly saw anything. We didn't get to shoot at anything, but they're just excited to go and have that experience again. So it was really nice just to be able to disconnect. And you're right. Like looking up at the stars is just something that's like, oh yeah, like we're just insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Because yeah. one of these stars has gone supernova and eventually it's going to destroy the whole universe. So it's pretty nice to remember that, you know, we should make, make the best of the time that we have now. So it was a fun trip. I think it's also super important for people to, to go ahead and disconnect and, and you know, turn off the device or, and, or set it down. Get to a place where you don't have service every now and then. I think, I think one of the things that I'm learning... Um, being going through the the thing that we're going through, the environment that we're in, um, people's mental health. People have to start taking care of their mental health because I don't I don't think it's happening enough. I don't think we're we're giving the amount of time to our own mental health that we need to in order for us to stay sane and normal. And and so I I, I recommend everybody just take 
take a day or two and just turn everything off and and know that it's going to be okay right those tweets will be there the the messages will be there um and and if and if not then you're probably not missing out right so it's it's super healthy just to to disconnect every now and then and i think everybody should i agree with you mike so let's go ahead i think like i don't have much other than um it's important to make sure you're registered to vote and to go vote. That's coming up very soon. So use the rights that you have as a citizen and go vote. Um, let's see. So vote, hunting. Um, I think that's all I have. I've been, I'm still playing Hades because that game's amazing and it continues to deliver more and more content than I thought there would be. It doesn't seem to like ever like stop with the content and there's always something new with every single run that I go through. There's new dialogue. There's new things happening. I get to try different weapons. I'm starting to unlock like the very final aspects of all the weapons, which is a sign that I'm getting closer to the end. So that game's still been a lot of fun. And I also finally downloaded Genshin Impact. People have been talking about it a lot. And from the Godfall news that they dropped today, they finally showed off a lot of the loot progression UI. I put that tweet out there and Fajan's like, hey, that looks like Genshin Impact. And I was like, what are you talking about? This doesn't look like a waifu game. He posted pictures and I'm like, oh, it kind of does. I better go play this just so I can get some uh, hands-on experience with it. So now I'm playing a waifu game and maybe we'll see how much money I spend in that free game. So that's what I've been doing. So without further ado, I think it's time, Mike, that we jump into the news because there are some news things that we can talk about. Not a lot of it, but there's some interesting things. So Keanu, why don't you bring us in? I gotta talk to you about something. This just in, hot off the press, um, Congresswoman AOC was live streaming Among Us on Twitch um, for a campaign to get people out to vote to make sure that they're registered to vote. And she, I think, raked in almost half a million um, viewers, probably more if you count all the live streams from YouTube and other sources, other people that they've been, um, that were ta- tagging onto that stream, because there will probably be a lot of VODs where people watch it afterwards. It's going to be talked about a lot. It's one of the biggest news stories here. We don't normally talk about politics, um, on the show, but I thought this was an interesting thing that happened. And we're, we're going to set aside like our personal views on people, on politics and whatever, and just kind of discuss like the ramifications of like Twitch being used as something like this and the future of that maybe. Um, because I think like, like, like it or not, this is kind of one of those moments where you're like, oh, this new platform actually gets a lot of views from a lot of young people, a lot of people that are of voting age. And now that AOC went out there and this thing is blown up, there's going to be a lot of other people that are saying, hey, how do we get a piece of this? How do we put ourselves onto this platform so that we can potentially get voters to come over to our side? So... I don't think this is going to be like a one-off situation. I think we're going to start seeing more of this in the future. I think Twitch and streaming services might actually be a pretty big platform as the older generation. Like, you know, we went from newsprint to people getting their news from radio to TV. And I think radio and TV are still going to be a really big factor 
um, to get news out to people, to get people to vote. But I also think that, you know, things like Twitch and whatever other streaming services there will be in the future are going to start to be kind of battlegrounds for things like this. And I don't know if I like that. I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen, whether I like it or not. But I think that this just might be another avenue for people to reach, you know, people that they wouldn't normally have been able to reach before. Because, I mean, like, I'm a cord cutter, so I don't get any of the, you know, the news that normal people do. Mike, I don't know if you still have satellite or if you've moved on from that or not. Oh, we still have a cable subscription. I mean, so do you think that this is, like, a new way, a new platform for, like, people to try and, like, motivate I'd, future voters? I don't think or? so. No, I don't think so. Why not? Um, because because I think because I think that that people twitch for games and people YouTube for entertainment and people find their news elsewhere. I mean, I don't if people find their news from Twitch, great, good good for you. Um, but but I don't see it. I don't see it becoming like the next stop for everything. I mean, it'll be used kind of like YouTube is used for for watching um the presidential debates or for watching sports or for watching you know all the other stuff i think i think people are again in our climate with with um with people self isolating and things that that you're going to you're going to need to find your information somewhere and you're going to go to whatever platform is comfortable for you right so if you're going to if you're going to listen to the radio that's where you're going to go for all your news if you're going to if you have a TV subscription and if you've always gotten your news from TV, that's most likely where you will get it again. Um, just because we're creatures of habit. So I don't, I don't see this as being anything like game changing or huge. Huh. That's interesting. I think this will be something that'll be like normalized for like even, I don't know if it'll be like the generation of our kids, but you know, like my son will never even like know like what the cable TV experience is like. Because when my wife and I got married, we like cut the cord then. So it's been, shoot, how long have I been married? It's been 13 years since I've had cable. It's something that he won't even really understand. Like, unless we go to a hotel, he's like, what are all these commercials? And he gets like super excited when he sees commercials on TV. And he's like, dad, we have to buy that. So that's like working on him because he's been, he's like, hasn't been around that all that often. But if something like Twitch, because he knows what Twitch is, because he knows that we stream on Twitch. I think that might be something for those future generations that. Will be, you know, and, and I was thinking about it also, like, not just in terms of like politics and stuff. Like, if the NFL started streaming on Twitch, and how many more like Twitch viewer integrations they would be able to have, like, I think that would make for a better viewing experience of the NFL and for major sporting events if they had stuff like that. Um, Instead of just like having it be a passive experience where people are like probably on Discord talking about games anyway while they're watching it at their home and their buddies or other places, it should be something that's a little bit more interactive because I think that's what we're asking for is more interactivity in all the media that we're that we're consuming. So, but that would be you know that would involve like you know the NFL having to get a, give up a bunch of ads because they not they don't have the same ad revenue as they get from TV as they do from from Twitch. So anger in chat says kids today call commercials ads like on YouTube when you watch videos interrupted by commercials. So it's already they're kind of used to to that. So I can see a future where Twitch is going to be a platform where 
a bunch of people that understand, like, um, that understand gamers and people that are just, hey, hey, fellow gamers, you know, it's going to be that kind of situation where you'll be able to see through the politics and be like, you have no idea what you're doing here on Twitch. Like, you're here just for, cause it's the hot hip thing to do. And, you know, well, everyone's, gamers are able to see through that kind of thing. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I thought it was an interesting thing that happened this week. So figure we talk about it a little bit. All right, Mike, will you hit us with, the development of what's going on with StarCraft 2, because this is actually kind of interesting to me. So um, Blizzard is now going to end their content development on StarCraft 2, the sci-fi real-time strategy game that first launched in 2010. Wow, it's been a really long time. It's been a long time. With StarCraft 2 Wings of Liberty, um, the StarCraft team will instead focus on season roles and necessary balance fixes. So when I played StarCraft, it was still the uh the top down build the city, build the uh the uh port and you know it was it was very much um it was right after World of Warcraft I think two orcs and humans or something like that. So so I haven't I haven't I haven't played StarCraft in a long time. Um, but they, but Blizzard says that they are going to continue supporting StarCraft 2 in the same manner as they have their previous longstanding games, um, focusing primarily on what their core and competitive com- com- communities, sorry, care most about. Um, and what this means is that they're going to be producing additional for purchase content, content, man, I can speak, such as commanders and war chests, but will continue doing season roles as necessary. And balance fixes moving forward. So, um, being supported in a different way. Um, no, I, th- I think chess- before you go on, I yeah, think you so might have read that wrong. He says, which this means is we are not going to be producing a digital additional for purchase content. I did miss a word. Oh my goodness gracious. I about, I about changed Blizzard's whole approach to StarCraft 2. Um, so they will not be producing additional for purchase content. <gasps> oh no, but they will be doing the seasonal roles, seasonal season roles and necessary bug fixes. There you go. Yeah. You type too small. Um, so, so yeah. So, so for those who are playing StarCraft two, um, again, a new chapter opening up in your game. Um, but, but I think one thing that I've learned from playing games is that is that if the game is good, you're going to stick around, right? Well, I... maybe that's not true. Um, it's so... tough. It's tough when your game changes fundamentally that way. It's tough to stay around for the because everybody's looking for the next thing, right? Well, but... and and to talk about StarCraft Two a little bit because we are talking about a ten year old game. So StarCraft Two released in 2010, and then there were th- there were the two ex- there were the two add ons. So first came out, you had the Wings of Liberty campaign, then you had the Heart of the Swarm campaign, and then you had the Legacy of the Void campaign. So those all came out separately. StarCraft Two, in my opinion, is probably the best RTS that has been put out in a very very long time. It's that good. Um, but to continue to support that game because they were making um co op campaign content, they were doing announcer packs. They were doing commanders. I think that the StarCraft 2 co-op stuff is actually really, really well done. I don't think a lot of people play it. Um, but it's super fun content working together with another player instead of like just trying to murder them to where you're trying mm-hmm. to achieve, um, certain t- 
um, goals in the game in order to pass a level. It's really cool stuff. It's really interesting. Like, like I, I love StarCraft 2. I love the campaigns. I love playing it online. I got to a point where I got silver. Um, at one point in the rankings, it's, there are a lot of really good StarCraft players. Yeah, Anger in the chat says he hasn't played any co-op. I, I recommend it if you can find someone to play with. I think I still have StarCraft 2 installed, just like waiting for someone to say, hey, you want to play StarCraft 2? And I'll be like, yeah, I've got this <laughs> game installed waiting for it. It's really nice. cool stuff. It, it is sad to me that Blizzard continues to put these franchises in almost like a, uh, what do they call? I think they're calling them like classic titles. Like StarCraft 2, it was one of the biggest IPs of our generation. Like, the way that it's esports took over Korea, like, Korean StarCraft players are like celebrities over there. Like, it's that huge. It is, it's massive. People still play the original StarCraft in a competitive fashion over there. Still play blue, still play Brood Wars over there. Like, it's, it's sad that Blizzard hasn't found a way to continue to iterate on StarCraft. Even if it's not an RTS, like I would love like Blizzard to put out a new RTS and we're probably going to have to wait for a different studio to do that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later um, in a different news story. But StarCraft is a cool universe. I mean, granted, it's kind of a ripoff of the Warhammer 40k universe just changed a little bit. But that's kind of what Warcraft was also is kind of a ripoff of Warhammer. But they changed it and they made characters that were personable and characters that you cared about. And, you know, and they did it in like the simplest ways, making it to where you click on like a fire bat multiple times. And he invites you to a barbecue and asks you if you know anything about propane accessories. But it, it's sad that that genre, the RTS genre, is just you know, kind of dying away. And, you know, you can blame MOBAs for that. You can blame Warcraft 3 and Blizzard not pouncing on that idea. But it's, I would love for someone to make an RTS that kind of changes the genre a little bit more than it has in the past. Something that, like, I don't know, turns it up to 11, something that makes it more, maybe they need more players. Maybe we need like a RTS battle royale where a hundred people are building bases at the same time on a map and, you know, only one can remain. I mean, if you talk about two player games, you know, taking 20, 40 minutes to play out and you add in a hundred people in there, you know, you're multiplying that, but you know, something that would would change it. Yeah, StarCraft 99 is what we need. We need 99 people to go in and only one, you know, person um turtling and then zerging at the end to to eventually win. But I think that genre has some untapped potential that just needs either new minds or old minds that haven't been able to capitalize on those ideas in order to make something big and, you know, make something that could bring the RTS genre back into the forefront of everyone's um Back into everyone's forefront, I guess, is uh, is the way I would say that. Because, man, playing Warcraft 3, Warcraft 3 was great. Even if you didn't like the hero abilities, it was still a really fun game. The campaign was fun. Um, I still have really, really good memories of playing uh, Warcraft 2. And just the change from the art style from Warcraft 1 and Warcraft 2. And, like, and again, it's like, you know, Blizzard was a different Blizzard back then, so... I hope that if there are StarCraft 2 fans out there that you continue to find your co-op matches and you continue to to play against people cuz it's I mean it, it's an amazing game so that's... So I'm uh I'm on looking at like Warcraft 2 images and like 
this is like bringing me back, man. Cause like, remember the ships and the transports and oh my goodness, I have to download this game and play it again. I wonder if you Jeez. would even be able to run it if you could like, cause I, I actually still own Warcraft three. Cause that was like around the time where they actually have the digital keys so that you can like put it into blizzard, like blizznet BattleNet, whatever it was at the time. So I yeah. have that, but I would love to find Warcraft two and play through that again because i mean Warcraft yeah. 2, yeah it's on um it's on gog.com how Warcraft much to battle net how much bucks. is it 10 bucks that's 10 it. bucks yeah as long as blizzard doesn't try to like remaster it and like botch it like they did with um warcraft 3 it, i think we'll be good yeah to, good i mean it looks it looks super fun man it i might i might get it just to just to see if i remember how to do it i think you should get it and then you can report uh next week on it so one of the one of the things that I loved about about Blizzard is their cinematics, and and up until this point, like their cinematics still blow me away. Like I was talking to one of my friends, um, and we were talking about the original because he's he's a little bit younger than me, um, um, and he was talking about Warcraft and kind of what it what it was built from. And I remember, and I told him I remember playing Warcraft and Warcraft Two. And their cinematics were always good. And I pulled up an old, um, I think it was an Orcs and Humans cinematic, pulled it up on YouTube. And like, it still was like a huge, you know, rallying um, battle cry type thing that like sturdy motions. And you were like, yeah, this is what I remember playing. And it was, it was just good stuff, you know, and, and, and Blizzard, um, again, like their Overwatch cinematics and their Overwatch, um, the Overwatch, um, Shorts, little movies that they have, the shorts, yeah, that's the word. Shorts they have for all their characters. They're just fun things that that you get to, you know. And it does if, if it like stirs emotions, then there must be something, must be something good going on. So yeah. And oh if look, you, there's the archer. Yeah, and if you remember, like, Mike, we we first found Orcs and Humans. We got one of those stupid like 1,000 games disc that came on like 10 um, CD ROMs. I think we probably yep. got it from Radio Shack because it was all this like shovelware. And there was like, there was a lot of cool games on there. And that's where we found yeah. Orcs and Humans. It was only like the first three levels. So what we would do to play these levels over and over again, we would end up like farming every last um, bit of gold out of all of the mines. We would cut down every last tree before we would take on, you know, the, the enemies in the, in those levels. Mm-hmm. And because that's what you had. It's like, all right, I've got three levels. I'm going to play these levels over and over again. I'm going to get really good at these levels and this is what we're going to do. I, man, it would be cool to be able to find like one of those old discs, like those 99 games discs and like see what was on there. Cause I remember there was like, there was, a, there was always a lot of pool games that we would try. I think there were, I remember pool and darts, um, pool and then, and then um, pinball. And then, yeah, pinball was on there. And then that journeyman project game that we tried to play like over and over again, but I, I don't know. Maybe I was just too young to figure out what the Journeyman project was all about. So well, it was funny because we started playing that, and then, and then because we each wanted a turn playing, um, we we created some kind of some kind of a a, a memory glitch or something. Because um, because one of us was playing and we completed a task, and then when the next one started playing, it said, "No, you can't progress in the game because you've already completed the task." But in the thing, it said, no, you have to complete the task. And so, um, and, and so, uh, it was, it was just, like I said, it just kind of got glitched out. So, you know, those early experiences, 
those early experiences for with games. Yeah, I kind of miss that, just being able to go down and, like, pick up a bunch of games or find things like Raptor. Um, You remember Raptor. Oh, yeah, Raptor. So Raptor's good stuff, man. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to this next one. I'm going to go ahead and jump down to this Frost Giant Studios um, new story because it kind of ties into what we were talking about with Blizzard. So I'm going to write down this time code so I can get this timestamp ready to talk about this. Mike, while I do this, I'm going to, you're going to vamp for me. I am vamping because vamping is good. I like to vamp with my ramp and the hood. My vamps are better than your vamps and my vamps are actually 10 watt amps and my vamps can vamp better Anything you you can vamp, I can vamp better. All right, so Frost Every Giants vamp better. So Frost Giant Studio. I'm gonna play. The, I'm gonna push the button. Triple here. combo. Good job, Mike. Triple combo. So Frost Giant Studios raised 4.7 million for real time strategy game revival, and this is kind of what we were talking about. So Frost Giant Studios, if you do not know, is a new game studio formed by Blizzard Entertainment veterans. And they raised a lot of money. So they are veterans from StarCraft and WarCraft. This is Tim Morton and Tim Campbell. All the Tims got together from Blizzard and like, hey, we should start a thing. Um, I think this is interesting because recently Mike Morheim had his one year up of non-compete was up. So he went and started a studio. He started, shoot, I just had the name Dreamhaven and Moon Moonshot, something. I'll have to go back and remember what two studios he started up. But I think... Tim and Tim were just a little bit too early. They probably could have got on that uh, Mike Morheim wagon and probably just like, or maybe they eventually will. Maybe Mike will just buy these guys and say, hey, you want to make some RTS games? Get over here and make them for me. Let's do what we used to do before Blizzard became the Blizzard that it is today. And that's, and again, like, I don't want to say like, hey, Blizzard is bad right now. It's just the company got really big. Um, they were purchased by someone that, you know, like, I don't know if you can blame Activision for everything that's going on there or just as things change, if you grow so big so fast, like your priorities kind of shift. So, like, I'm not saying like Blizzard is like bad. It's just it's not the same Blizzard that was there before. It's like the Cowboys today are not the Cowboys from 1995. It's just different. Um, Oh, so Anger in the chat says, please don't be a prank that Mike Morheim is making a new game company. So Mike Morheim and his wife had funded the start of a new game studio. It's like, it's not really a studio. So there's two game studios under the umbrella of what Mike has started. And they are focusing on making new smaller titles. Mike, if you will vamp for me, I'm going to pull up what their names are. So their names are coming up. Um, so it's really cool when studios get made because when studios get made, um, so in a mama studio and a data studio, Love each other very much. Uh, they get together and they have a little baby studio. And the baby studio can then grow up to be, you know, a sports studio or a RPG studio or can, can go through like a weirdo emo type studio phase where they turn out games like, I'm emo. How are you? And this is my emo emu. Uh, all right. I found this it. This is my emo emu. So you don't want to hear about you don't want to hear about the fungus. I mean, no, not really. So Mike Morheim, um, so Moonshot is one of the studios, and that's led by Jason Chase, Dustin Browder, and Ben Thompson. So that's one of the studios that is going to be under 
shoot, what is the name of the overall parent company? I'll find that. But Secret Door is the second studio, and that's led by Chris Sagati, Alan Debray, Debiri, and Eric Dodds. So these two studios will be working, creating new, smaller um, titles under the direction of Mike Morheim. So I imagine that there's probably potential for him to bring in other people, like the two Tims that are working on someone else. Um it just seems like there's a pretty big exodus of Blizzard talent because they don't like the way things are going there. So now, this will probably be something that will still take a while for them to get spun up. But, I mean, these are some of the people responsible for some of my favorite games, um, like the Warcraft series, Starcraft series, Diablo series. I mean, those are games that will that will always be something that I grew up with, so they kind of made an imprint. So that's part of those core game memories that I have in my um, psyche. Are those games are up on that list? So it's going to be pretty cool to have these people out there making the games that they're allowed to make and making the games that they want to make. So back to Frost Giant, they will be working on right here. Says they believe that the RTS games on the PC can still be a vibrant part of gaming in the future. Which I think it's going to be very difficult for them to do, but I think if anyone can do it, it'll be this team that have worked on those original titles that made them so popular in the first place. So, um, good luck to Price Giant Studios, Mike. Does like what? What would you? What would you need to have an RTS like come back and like bring you in? Because RTSs have not been in like Vogue for a really, really long time. Um, so, so like we say, just looking at the Warcraft stuff for me, it's just like the nostalgia hit or whatever. Um, but, but something that, we, that we've always stuck with has been something that will always pull me in will be those, those stories that can, that can trigger emotions. Um, and those characters that can draw me in, um, mechanics that don't require a whole lot of thinking, um, kind of some natural stuff. And then, and then, um, story, right? So, so solid characters, good story. I like a nice beginning, middle and end. Um, I, it's very easy to tell when stories end up losing their direction and things kind of get slanted and go sideways, a la, um, Game of Thrones. And so, um, it just, just, I mean, keep it, keep it simple, right? Um, we were talking, Steve, earlier that, that Among Us is a super, super fun game to play because it's simple. Clear objective, clear mechanics, easy mechanics, um, you know, spending enough time on level design and character design to, to give those characters personality and those levels some individuality. Um, and so, and so just, I think I think everybody is really expecting like the the Avengers Endgame moment when all the portals open and and everybody comes out and this is after the snap and everybody comes back and Cap um, summons Mjolnir and and gives his iconic line and everybody's kind of like waiting for like the huge big ultimate mega super payoff. And and the games that we just geeked out about at the uh, you know during during the last few minutes have been those games that are just you know part of part of kind of what we grew up with and just simple mechanics, simple kind of things to do, you know. So are you so saying maybe fr- are you saying developers I'm, are trying to do too much? Is that what you're saying? 
I think maybe sometimes because right because you don't you don't go back and do the same thing you you go on to the next thing um but but sometimes I think less is more and and that that's not to say you know don't have a couple huge titles that that pay for everything else but but it also means if you have a project that you're that you're passionate about that isn't necessarily going to change the world i mean put it out you'll find i mean i mean you will find a an audience for that right there are people who are going to buy that game like that game play that game it's going to be on their phone if you have a mobile version it's going to be on their console it's going to be on their pc and they're going to play it those are going to be the games that they go to when they wait for the next game i so yeah i think that's i mean that you want that as a developer to happen, right? I think the problem is it's like, you know, if you spend, let's, let's just throw out numbers. If you spend a hundred thousand dollars developing a game and you have like a dedicated like 600 fans, I mean, that's, that's low for a game. But if you have those dedicated 600 fans, like that's awesome. But I mean, can you really recoup your costs or can you make a living doing that? You know, you still have to, and I think this is the problem with like, big game development it's like you kind of have to swing for the fences a lot of the times or else i mean not everyone can be among us i don't know how much it costs to develop among us i know it's been out for like two years but even then it's like this is two years later that's when it kind of has seen its peak i think after congress people start playing among us it's probably a sign that okay like now it's going to be too mainstream that people are just going to move on but so it's it's funny you use the swinging for the fences analogy because because base hits win ball games, right? That's that's true, but it's like you know when I guess when when you're looking at like Disney making a movie and they make a hundred and thirty five million dollars and they're like, well we didn't make enough to make an, a a sequel, so you kind of have to shutter it. You know I, I think it's like well game and I think. I think you get to the point though, Steve, where like, where like Disney is one of those outliers, right? They are, they, they have different metrics that, that means success for them, right? Um, so, so you can't really use, they're in their own category, I think. And I think, and I think, I think video games are kind of similar these, though. They are, but, but even in, even video game studios have, have differing levels of success and backing and personnel. Um, you know, and so, and so they're, you know, to, to continue with your analogy, their home run, you know, may not be, may not be in a major league park. Their home run might be at a high school park. Their home run might be, you know, some, so, so the, the same, the same numbers, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, um, maybe not fair that, that the dollar is used for the measure of success. Right, because because of those six hundred, of those six hundred um, players that you say on this hundred thousand dollar game, if those six hundred players are putting in, you know, multiple hours a day on this game, you know, maybe maybe that's the success. Maybe hours played is the success measure versus versus dollars spent. You know, so I guess what I'm saying is is that is that we can't all be acupuncturists. And so you kind of have to you kind of have to look at each game as its own kind of thing. You can you can maybe compare games, but I don't know how 
how fair that is. You know, Destiny raised 4.7 million while Anthem raised um you know 2.3 million um because those two games are are sig- uh, anyway for me anyway significantly different enough and the experience is different enough that that maybe they can't be compared like that on the same metric um maybe i don't know maybe maybe just the thoughts i was having hmm. they yeah. sounded like cohesive coherent coherent thought but <laughs> they sounded like that to you until you started uh until you started until, speaking them <laughs> so, so sometimes um when you, when you start a sentence i don't really know where it's gonna end up but i just try to hopefully find my way on there you're like one of those when r- I feel. <laughs> yeah you're in a you're you're an exploratory writer what do they call them they're shoot they're writers that don't outline they just kind of like yep i'm gonna start writing and wherever i go here's where i go wherever i end up is where i end up yeah the problem with that is like since we're like live to hard drive it's like nope that's staying in mike your line of your uh phadron says like which which is fine yep it is like it is like michael scott that's exactly right so you know whatever or whatever whatever just forget about it or just forget it i mean no, I, I mean, if it's good, it's good. And, you know, if people play, then people play. And if they don't, then... Then they don't. I guess and I like guess you, you move on to the next thing. I mean, and it's and it's tough, though, because, like, like, the human part of you is like, well, someone... Like, someone put time, money, sweat, tears, passion, um, probably a lot of personal experience into this game. because Because talking to all the developers that we have talked to... I think that's been one of the common threads that I've taken out. There are very few developers that we have talked to who are just like, yeah, um, studio heads want this put out. So I'm going to use this, this, or this and, you know, throw it in the blender and, and pour out what pours out. Like, like developers, they, they research, they, they create, they, you know, they go through tons and tons of iterations of their, of these things that they create in their mind that become real to them to a level that, that I don't think many of us can even like comprehend at that point who aren't like, like super creative, um, who don't have those kind of talents, you know, so it's hard for us to kind of see like the struggle that goes into creating a character, um, and like the passion and love for that. And so, it can be, I would assume that it could be very gut wrenching and kind of heartbreaking when your game doesn't perform the way that the studio wants your game to perform. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it's also difficult. Like when you think about people that, that were working on Marvel's Avengers and, you know, the, you know, what has happened to that game post launch, like you're right. There's not a, there's not a developer that's like, doesn't care how that game is doing yeah. or is like satisfied with, Oh yeah, this is the best that it can be. So we know that they care and they're like obsessing over this stuff. And they're like, we did all this work. Like, why isn't it working? Like, why aren't more people coming to it? And even knowing like, okay, we've got all these bugs we got to fix. You know, they like all the developers on that project probably knew the problems that players were going to have with the game. They knew that players were going to complain about this and they're like, well, we can't fix that right now. We have to put it out. We'll try to fix it in a, you know, day one update. We'll try to fix it after launch. We'll see what the players care about the most. I dropped my pencil. So, and you're, you're right. Like they care because we've talked to them and we know that it's like, you know, it's a thing of 
passion and this thing of love that they're like, this is the industry that we're in. We know what we're getting into. Like not talking about crunch or anything here, but they're kind of like, Hey, this is what I signed up for and I want to do this. So it, it it's tough if you don't get the reception that you want because they do care and they want players to have fun. They want players to be enjoyable. Like, and the company heads like, Hey, we have to recoup this cost. We have to hit these numbers because if not, then a lot of companies get shuttered because they mm-hmm. didn't have a good launch. They didn't have a good release and people have to move on and contractors have to move on. So it's, it's a really tough industry that, you know, it's especially now, like the market is so saturated with so many different types of content. Like if you're making a triple A game, you really have to swing for the fences every time. If you're doing an industry mm-hmm. game, um, like a, a small indie game, you can probably take more chances because that's where all the games that are taking chances, that's what it's happening. That's where it's happening. It's happening on the indie level, just like in indie films. Like, hey, here's your blockbusters from, you know, Fox and from Disney. And then here's your other little indie films that you go there for something that's different and something that, you know, is more unique than just explosion after explosion after, you know, superhero movie. Because yeah. Right, because that's what because that's what we have now. Anger in the chat says Sudoku needs a a new sequel. I think, man, like if I if Mike, if you could have a sequel to a game, I'll let you think about this while I um pull a couple out of my head. If you could have a sequel to a game right now, what would it be? I think I would love a sequel to Two Human. I think that game was really interesting. I really like the art style. I like the whole play on the Norse mythology. Um, the bugs were wow, the bugs were really bad. Um, that game had a lot of issues because of their trying to use the Unreal Engine and not getting support from Unreal at the time. But I think that game was super interesting. I would love to have a sequel to that. I would love to have, have whenever you, whenever you think of your, yours, Mike, you can just go ahead and throw it out. I think Portal 3 would be awesome. Man, I would love to have Portal 3. I think Portal 2 was, is an amazing game. And I, you know what? I should go play Portal 2 again because of how awesome that game is. But man, a Portal 3, would be pretty awesome. I don't know if they'll ever do Portal Three after the success after the success of Portal Two and how like um how awesome that is. Portal in VR, man, can you imagine jumping through portals in VR? Like I got sick playing Star Wars Squadrons in VR, but if you're like jumping through portals and falling through them, that would be insane. If you could have Portal in VR, it's like that's the vomit comment right there. Did you think of one, Mike? Do you have a, a um? So generally, generally, I'm opposed to sequels. Like, I don't think they work in movies very well, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't have, I don't have too many games that I would care much for a sequel. Um, only because, um, for me, the games that I'm playing, I don't think have ended yet. Right. Like, like, I guess, cause most of the games I play are live service and, and so they kind of keep going and keep going. I really am racking my brain hard on, on kind of what, what I would take in a sequel, um, I, and I can't, I really, I, like, this is great radio because I can't think of any sequels yeah, that maybe, that maybe I'm looking for. Huh. That's weird. Well, you think of it for next time and then we'll move on. So I will think of it for next time. So I'm going to burn through a couple of these stories because I don't think they're that interesting. Then I want to talk about Godfall, Godfall before we end the show. But, That's um, Willow is getting a is going to be revived for Disney Plus. I guess that's a thing. Speaking of sequels of Mike that you thought you never wanted, but you're like, going to get anyway. Like the actual the actual character is being revived. Like like Warwick is 
is kind of struggling, so, and so he needs to be revived. Yeah. Or? So Warwick Davis will rep- will reprise his role as Willow of Good. The film's upon not what kind of word is that? Or just, I I'm believe just, it's spelled wrong. I'm just gonna go from memory. Yeah. So the heroic adventure. I don't know if you'd call Willow heroic. He was like the unlikely hero, the un the unwilling hero for that whole thing. Um, yeah. So Howard's gonna return to produce. That's gonna be the thing that's gonna happen. Um, whether you want it or not, you're gonna have a Willow sequel. All right. The Xbox Series S. Hang on. Hang okay, on. Okay. Okay. All hang right. On. All right. Okay, man, you is, can't have uh, Matt Mordigan in there. No, you can't have him. I, I was going to say, is, is Val Kilmer coming back? No, as... Val, Val Kilmer looks pretty rough, man. <laughs> like, I don't. He does know. look pretty rough. So Willow, Willow is was actually a really great movie, right? It was it was super fun. It was it was it was a little scary at times. Great movie. Um, I do like, however, that that they say in this article that it's not going to be. It's not going to be a, a sequel per se to Willow, but it's going to be in that world. They're going to introduce new characters so that they can kind of carry on other stories from that point. But that single tie-in, I mean, I, I, I would assume that, that Warwick will probably have, you know, maybe not a huge, huge role. He'll be there. I mean, he's getting kind of up there in years. And so he might be like Yoda type kind of passing it on to the next generation. So, you know, we'll see. It'll be good, I think. Um, I hope. Yeah, you hope say it'll that. Be good. You say it'll be good, I, but we'll have to see. Well, it's coming to, yeah, and it's coming to Disney Plus, which, which, you know, take that for what it is, right? Um, and so we'll see. Uh oh. We'll see. Yeah. We'll All see. Right. The, uh, the writer of Solo is coming in as exec producer anyway so that changes anyway, everything for you now it <laughs> Will- kind of changes everything you're kind of like oh is this gonna uh-huh. be what it is we'll see though i mean anger says it, willow, willow will be played by peter dinklage oh that's awesome willow had some iconic lines there's some great great quotable things in there and it wasn't terrible so yeah all right so moving on from that the xbox series s will run all the halo master chief collection games at 120 fps so good on them that'll probably be at 1080p i imagine um yep that'll be a 1080p maybe it'll be 1440 the article doesn't say so if you want to get your halo master chief on you can do that all right so it'll be at 1440p according to anger in the chat um i I'm best. I'm betting. If I were a betting man, I would bet that it's going to be 1080p at 100 FPS and probably 60 at 1440. That would be my guess if I was going to bet on this story. All right. After that, 2K responds to NBA 24, um, 2K21 unskippable in-game ad backlash. This is something that has happened with um, various titles from EA where ads just pop up and you can't skip them. So on top of paying your $60 for a game, you're getting ads that you cannot skip. This is like buying one of those TVs for like, I don't know if it's the Sony TVs that like have ads on their TV that you cannot skip, which would be super, super frustrating if you spent that much money on a TV and it comes preloaded with ads. And this is why you cut the cord, Mike, because you don't want that or crap like, in any of the media or that like you're consuming. Or like walking on a walking on a car lot like just to look at stuff and then people just don't leave you alone and you're like just leave me alone stop texting me no that's like buying a car and then like then you still have ads like sent to you in the mail to buy a car that's what that would be like (laughs) asking me asking me to to that my car's extended warranty is about to expire 
car that I haven't owned in 12 years. You know, it makes you wonder, like, how many people actually respond to those with, like, yeah, I would like an extended warranty on this car. Like, what are they going to... But not, but not only that, here's my credit card information, and you just take care of the billing right there. Yeah, here's this my obviously social... obviously isn't a scam. Here's my social security number. Please uh, call yeah. me when you're done with everything. So yeah. I get those calls at least four times a week. All right, so moving on, I want to talk sure, about yeah. Godfall... Because all that other information, all the other stories are like, it was a pretty light news story week, like considering that we're leading up to the launch of new consoles in 20 days and learning about things that may or may not be postponed on those. So I'm just writing something down. All right. So Godfall today, um, he's the exit, the executive technical director, um, Dick Haney, he spoke with IGN talking about loot and progression of Godfall. And Mike, this might be something that would excite you. And I'm just going to go off from memory here. I recorded a video earlier today, put that out on the Godfall 101 channel. So if you want to hear my thoughts on all things Godfall, go to youtube.com slash Godfall 101 and subscribe to the channel, like it, all that fun stuff. They were talking about the way that they are making loot and how a core philosophy of their loot creation was them asking the question, is this worth my time? And that's something that we've talked a lot about, about games respecting the player's time. Like, how long does it take to grind for this thing? How long does it take to achieve this, um, to get this achievement? We're always talking about, as players, they need to respect the time of the players, right? Because more than the money that we give them, like our time is our most valuable thing. We were talking about time earlier and about spending it with family and just kind of disconnecting. But one of their philosophies is, you know, when they're creating a weapon visually, does it look like this would be worth the grind? And then the stats on the stick, would it be worth it? So that's one of the main things that I took out of the article from today. They finally showed off their augment constellations. They finally showed off the skill tree. So now, if you were to look at Godfall and think of all the things that you could equip on your character to make your loadout, these are the things that you could do. So there's 12 Valor Plates that you could equip. So each one will have slightly different stats. They'll all have kind of the same skill tree. But even between those 12 Valor Plates, they'll have their separate skill trees. So if you want to use this Valor Plate and focus on... um soul shatter damage or if you want to use this one and focus on crit this one and focus on healing you'll be able to do that across the 12 valor plates so on top of the valor plate you're going to have your skill tree that you can customize um and even all the of the 25 skills that you have there will be five different levels on each of those skills that you can upgrade so there's potentially 125 different things that you can upgrade on the skill tree if you're able to unlock everything i don't think you will i think one of the characters that we saw on screen was level 50 and it looks like they might have been maxed out but there's also potential for growth in the future so on top of that, you're going to have the two weapons and the two weapons are going to be stat sticks and, you know, you're going to give you your skills and abilities and everything that you have. So you'll have two weapons. You're going to have your augments from your Valor Plate and there will be options to install like 10 augments onto each Valor Plate. Some of them are probably going to be a little bit lower depending on the rarity of the Valor Plate. So you're going to have two weapons. You're going to have your augments. You're going to have two rings. You can... um get stats from you're going to have an amulet you're going to have a charm you're going to have a life stone which will heal you but it'll also give you other benefits and then you're going to have a banner that you're going to have so when you add all this stuff together there is a lot of potential 
for you to tinker with your build in Godfall, I think it's going to be close to on par with Diablo 3. You know, when we talk about making builds in Anthem or we talk about making builds in Destiny, like, there was the illusion of being able to make a build, but really, like, your icebreaker was my icebreaker. And there wasn't very much variation in that, right? Like, if you wanted to run the highest level content, it's like, you need the best in slot, you need the Galahorn, you need this. Like, your build kind of slightly mattered more in future updates. I think it matters even more now, like, what subclasses you're taking. But even then, it's not like you're, hey, this is the build I built for this. It's like, hey, what subclass are you? And what is the popular meta weapon right now? And that's kind of how those games were with the builds. Anthem didn't really have the potential to create builds because of the way their inscription system worked. You weren't able to even grind or focus on getting specific builds going in that game because it was all completely random. In Diablo 3, when I played my wizard, I had my Talrasa set, and then I had a you know combination of another my Firebird set that I mixed and matched in order to make a Meteor build that just completely destroyed and decimated everything. And I was able to do that because I had to grind over and over for specific pieces of gear and you know sometimes I just never got that perfect pair of boots that I needed but it's something that I would continue to grind for until I got that perfect roll on it that made it so that my meteors were you know critting for one million damage that was just the thing that I was trying to do it sounds like Godfall is going to be more like Diablo 3 than other looters that we have it looks like from the stat screen, there are so many ways to focus on a build or what type of damage you want to do that it's going to be really fun to focus on a build that you like, whether you're focused on spears, whether you're focused on warhammers or the long swords, whether you're focused on this type of damage, if you're going to be a tank, if you're going to be a healer. It looks like they're building that game for those types of players. Which is really good news to me because that means the game will have longevity after the campaign. The big thing that Counterplay Games is focusing on is that there is a single player campaign. There's a beginning and an end. And if you only want that experience, you can have that single player experience. Whether it's alone or you can play the entire thing co-op, you'll be able to have that experience. And then players that want to continue into endgame will also have that experience as well. So it seems like they're trying to cater to the hardcore player and the casual player, which has been something that's been really difficult for a lot of other people to do in the past. But it seems like it's something that they're at least going to try. Now, I don't want to get like super hyped and be like, hyped and be like, hey, they're nailing it. They know exactly what they're doing. This is awesome. Because, you know, we won't know until the game comes out what the real potential of all that will be. But so far from everything that they said today, like it's been the most promising to me that one of their main focuses is making sure that whatever we do in game is worth the time it takes to do it. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I took from today. It's going to make it worth it to our time. So I just talked a lot. So what are your thoughts on all that that I said about Godfall while I take a drink? So, um, because it's very much like Diablo three, I, I actually, um, enjoy that up to a point because it seems like there's so much to do 
that that we get that we've always talked about the analysis paralysis kind kind of thing, right? You can get to a point in a game where you're like, oh no, what is it? What do I do now? What? Where do I go? So I have a little bit of that going in because of all the different pieces that are um, available to customize. Um, and so there might be a little bit of that for people. Ultimately, it's good because you can tweak those builds looking for the higher content thing. And so those players that like to push those greater rifts and those masks, those uh, higher levels, like good for them, they'll be able to tweak that. Um, ultimately, it's going to be good, I think, for players, right? Because it creates that that lore, longevity, you know, what what am I grinding for? What do I want? And I don't even want to say grind. What am I playing for? What is it that I want out of this? So it's it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, you know what I said after I read that article? So good. What'd you say? <laughs> so good. Are you kidding me? That is how it's done, my man. It's so great, am I right? That's exactly what I said. So that is what you said. So everyone, thank you for hanging out with us for episode 145 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. Um, Mike, I don't have anything else that we want to cover. Is, is, is there something that I missed on the sheet that you wanted to talk about before we end? No, I don't think so. I think we covered everything that we needed to. I think I think we've got the news out that that is pertinent to us right now. I think we talked a little bit about what was going on, and so um, I mean that's that's about all we got. You know, a few things to look forward to. Um, iPhone 12 launches tomorrow. Um, if that's going to be your new phone, congratulations. Um, also, one of the things I found while I was kind of doing some Christmas shopping for my kiddos was a Nerf um, Master Chief Halo um, blaster that looks pretty fun, right? Oh, the assault rifle. Yeah, because it's all branded and looks like it comes from a Halo game. So that's always fun when you can see those crossovers. Um, uh, You know, Nerf could put out a a Mita multi-tool. That would be kind of fun. Uh, You know, Shoot a a sunshot, you know, so. Like you say that. Like, that would be a pretty awesome idea because there are some pretty iconic weapons from Destiny that I would not mind owning that right. in Nerf form. That would pretty that would be pretty cool. So, Anger in the yeah. chat says, um, Amazon game, New World MMO. So, I have not looked into the New World MMO. I, I know about it, but just seeing that it's another MMO kind of turned me off from that. Like, I did Warcraft for a really long time. And I had to step away from that for my own personal health. So <laughs> there is a new beta coming in November. Maybe I'll try the beta just to say that I tried it. But Phaedron says, new iPhone. So disappointed. Hashtag disappointed from Phaedron. Sorry, Phaedron. We can't all be acupuncturists. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's still rocking the, the uh, Nokia 810 or something like that. So, hey, which is fine. If, if it he works. probably hasn't had to. Right, he probably hasn't charged it since he got it because those things last forever, right? You know, and and you like those tactile buttons that you push. And man, the Snake game is on there. That's a fun game, Snake. You know, Snake where you eat the little fruit and your little tail grows longer. That's what we need. Fajin we need a knows, we need a sequel to Fajin Snake. Knows how to do, yeah. We snake need, two. We need to eat more fruit. The unsnakening. <laughs> So Phaedron, oh, oh, yeah. Um, thanks, Phaedron. So Phaedron says, enjoy no cloud gaming. And this is something that I was thinking about as I was driving today because Microsoft is currently working on a way that it, it'll be very similar to um, Amazon's Luna streaming service to where it's browser-based. So you don't have to have an um, a dedicated app to put it on the iOS store. It'll just be like something you can play from the browser. 
So you'll that's their way of getting around the whole crap that, that Apple is doing, right? So previously we were talking about will we ever see Xbox come to a Nintendo Switch? Like Game Pass, will we ever see it come to a Nintendo Switch or the PlayStation 5? If they do this, technically, you can open a browser on the PlayStation 5 because I imagine they'll have an internet browser on there. I imagine there's one on the Nintendo Switch. If they do that, you would actually be able to play xCloud or Xbox games through Game Pass on your PlayStation 5 or on your Nintendo Switch or any way where they um, are able to have a browser. So that's the way you can get and play those games. You will be able to play Halo on a PlayStation 5, potentially, through, in the future. Through a browser. Through a browser. So when I said that this will po- this will potentially happen, and everyone laughed at me, like this is a dumb loophole in that, but guess what? You're probably going to be able to do that sometime in the future. So <laughs> anyway, so this has been episode 145. Um, everyone, thank you for hanging out with us in the chat. Also, as Mike and I figure out what the um, format of this show is going to be in the future, like... I, I am very okay with it just being a little bit more casual um, and how we talk about things. Like I really enjoy talking about hunting because that was something that we really um, had a lot of fun doing this weekend. Um, so our format might change a little bit. We might get a little bit more casual. We might talk about not all the news that's going on, but maybe just the things that interest the most. If you have games that you want us to play, like send those in. If you have any ideas, send them in. Um but yeah, I think this is something that we are going to continue to evolve. Rusted in the chat says, I like your multi-sector approach, not just one game or gaming. I also like it more because it's just, we're into a lot of different things. So I think we might, Mike, even bring in more talk about shows that we're watching, um, books that we're reading. Because there's a, there's a book series coming up that I would love to have someone to talk at. Like even if it's not talking to, I would just talk at them about the Stormlight Archives and Book Four is coming out in November. So I need someone. Oh just yeah, to, I've like, read the Stormlight Archives, dude. Mike, let's talk right now and let's like go through are, chapter by chapter. Page those one. Those are the books by Brandon Sanderson, right? Mike, you are the best. All right, page yeah, one. And he talks and he talks about Clifford and his ability to find truffles in the dark. Right? Are we talking about the same same Brandon Sanderson? This has been episode 145 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. It might be the last episode that we put out, but everyone, thanks for hanging out with us in chat. Um, all of our patrons, thank you for supporting us. If you wanted to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash Freelancer Codex. Kick us a dollar. Um, if you can afford it. If not, please don't. And all right. And we'll see everyone on the other side. I'm going to play push this button. Thank you for listening to the Freelancer Codex, a podcast brought to you by the Shut Up and Respawn Network. Follow us at Freelancer Codex on Twitter or Twitch. Send emails to freelancercodex at gmail.com or voice messages to anchor.fm slash freelancercodex slash message. We wish to thank all of our Patreons. We are grateful for you all.